Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, we are alive. Hey everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, the podcast where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song in alphabetical order, one by one. My name's Ray... My name is Rob Carmack, and I'm joined here with <laughs> my, my name is Rick Creamer. With Rick, Rick. Rick. My, and I'm joined here, as always, by my very alive co-host JB Clark. What is going on? Is there anybody alive out there, JB? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what I want to know. Absolutely, someone is alive out here. JB, JB's having a good. Le- okay, so we took a, a brief hiatus. So first of all, thanks everybody for your patience. The last episode that you heard in the feed, War, which came out on Monday. Uh, that was the last one we had, and we had to save that one in the bank until we were ready to put out m- more. So we got through that one. This is a this is a fresh one, and uh, so thanks everybody for being patient with us. And we're coming back very strong with "We Are Alive." So this is a this is a track from the 2012 album "Wrecking Ball," which JB has gone on record many times as saying it's one of his top albums of uh, in the Springsteen canon. This is this is JB's intro. Introductory album. This is this is the front door album that JB got into Bruce Springsteen with. So this has got to be an exciting night for you, JB. You doing? You feeling all right? Yes. Uh, I'm a big I'm I'm a big fan of these songs, obviously. Yes. Uh, so yeah. I'm having fun. Yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped that in this batch of, of recordings, we're gonna be getting to some some of the songs that uh, I hold nearest and dearest. Yeah, we're we're, we're hitting a, a pretty good. A pretty good batch. For the next couple, if you stay with us for the next couple of weeks, you're gonna you're gonna hear some songs. I th- discussion about some songs that I think we're very enthusiastic about talking about. So, um, so we're very excited. We're very we're feeling very alive about the whole thing. I guess as it were. So, um, so this song, as we mentioned, comes from the 2012 album Wrecking Ball. I actually I saw Bruce perform this once. Um, it was on the Wrecking Ball tour. It was my first trip to see Bruce in New Jersey. Uh, in September of 2012, it was unbelievable. It was m- magical, if I may. And um, this this was a highlight. This is one of those like, oh wow, he's he's actually going to do this song. I think this is like the first song he came out. Um, this was the the intro to the encore. I think that night, which was a pretty neat way for him to come back out on stage. So. Yeah. Um, just with the, with the acoustic and like kind of let it build from there. So he did that. And then the most recent performance of the song was May the 1st, 2014 in Tampa, Florida, which was on the High Hopes tour. So he didn't do it at all on the River Tour in 2016-2017. Those are the bare bones. Those are the basic facts. Did I did I miss anything here, JB? Is there anything worth uh, discussing? Um, I think that's the basic facts right there. Yeah. Cool. Do you want to get into some musical stuff? or do? You... Yeah, I mean, I, that's all I've got. So I'm, I'll follow your – I'll let you lead the way. So if you're ready to talk music, let's talk music. It starts off just with sort of Bruce's understated breathy melody and acoustic. It's it's really whi- low some in the mix. Yeah, there's a little whistling happening a, like at the very bottom of the mix. You got to kind of perk up to hear it. There's a very gradual fade in. Like you you almost might accidentally think your stereo's t- turned too low, you know? Yes, it is possible to have this up very loud when the rest of the band comes in. Yeah. On accident. So then he comes up in the chorus a little bit, and it's inspirational. And then, like when he hits that line, heart to heart, just the whole band comes in. Just upright bass is uh, the upright bass is bringing just so much joy uh, and pluck to this song. And the regular bass is in there, and there's like some banjo, some electric guitar. This really great whistling part that is sort of uh, stolen from Ring of Fire. I was going to say this Ring is- of Fire. A total ripoff of Ring of Fire. Yeah. Sure. Admittedly. I mean, so much so that Ron Aniello, who produced this album, even tried to include an actual Ring of Fire sample in the mix, 
while he was while he was mixing the track, and he claims that he did it in in one of the cuts that he made, but he never even like played that version of it for Bruce. He figured like Bruce would probably just toss that out. So, um, but that's how similar this is to Ring of Fire. In fact, Bruce's that the whistling Bruce's whistling Ring of Fire. That's that's what he's whistling. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like this wonderful sort of uh, in my notes I call it a westward expansion trumpet. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> that, I like that. That kind of trumpet that can ride a horse clear across a te- uh, Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona. Yeah. It reminds you <laughs> and, of the three, uh, the three amigos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my kid uh, started watching uh, Favel this week. Mm, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I've been thinking about that sort of trumpet sound a lot. Man, Favel uh, has made multiple appearances on this podcast over yes. the years. <laughs> yeah i tried to make some jokes with him uh they, they it turns out they're inside jokes and then also he's a two-year-old so didn't work out <laughs> uh but we enjoyed watching five um mm-hmm. but yeah the music's really hopeful and it's talking about the deaths of the people who have like made our country what it is so it's sort of this like hopeful celebration of sacrifice uh like an easter song but for america sort of yeah um yeah and i just really love I mean, that upright bass mixed with the trumpet and the timpani, maybe it's timpani, maybe it's just like that big bass drum or whatever, is the most sort of plucky, hopeful. It should be cheesy, but it's not. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the melody, We Are Alive, with the harmony that just sort of like is like this really hard crescendo day crescendo where everybody just kind of comes in and out really hard, really quick. Um it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And well, and, and apparently there were multiple attempts to, like, there, there were a lot of different versions of this song that they were playing with in the studio. So according to Max Weinberg, the one of the early versions of this song, the band actually cut an early version of this song that was, in, in the words of, of Max, sort of like the Ramones doing the song, which would have huh. been very different. So, so it, like, the, the first draft of this was, like, punk like old school punk sounding which is crazy yeah i would love to hear that but i'm i'm very thankful for the version we got no yeah they definitely made the right call on which one to include and apparently there were at least two very very different versions of this song that were recorded so somewhere out there in the archives there are at least two very different sonically at least very different versions of this song and uh, i don't i don't know what the other one was supposed to be but like like i said max has has talked about how there was basically a what if the ramones did this song version out there huh that's it. That's super interesting. But yeah, but no, I, sure. I agree. Like the, the ring of fire facsimile, I think is, is was yeah. the correct way to go with this. Uh, and I just love the, uh, they're almost like red shift, blue shift harmonies, like, uh, like train passing by harmonies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're so, they're so beautiful and sort of like fleeting, uh, in their, in the way they come in and out with the crescendo, de crescendo and, yeah, whole thing's great. I wonder, I mean, because we've talked before about Western Stars, which is the the album that's going to come out in June, mm-hmm. and how it has a lot of, like, Western, like, sonically, like, that sort of feel to it. I want, and, and Ron Aniello also produces that album. I wonder if, like, this was sort of, without even realizing it, I wonder if th- doing this song was, like, Ron kind of auditioning for the Western Stars gig <laughs> later on. You know what I mean? Cause, yeah, I, maybe. Well, because apparently, I mean, I realize, like, it's 2019 now, and, th- like, this is seven years ago, but Western stars apparently was initially like started, he started working on it in 2015. So, which would have been only three years after the release of this. So, I mean, having only heard one song from Western stars, this totally, like if if he had not included this for whatever reason, if he decided to leave this off, this song would have been great for what he's obviously trying to do with Western stars, you know? Yeah. 
Like, in fact, he ver- when he, he was trying to describe what the new album was going to sound like before he released the single, and he, he would say things like singer-songwriter, Americana. I mean, really, all he had to say was, well, have you ever heard my, my song, We Are Alive? You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. Because that's, that's a pretty good indication of what we're if talking about. If that whole thing sounds like this, uh, whew, I'm so for a treat. Yeah. Absolutely. I love the bridge. Yeah. kind of reminds me of... Um, the bridge of the song reminds me of um, Casey Musgraves' record Pageant Material. Yeah, yeah, I hear uh, that. In that, like, she is trying to make a carbon copy of, like, a 1970s Nashville Babylon rhinestone country um, record, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's uh, and that's what's going on here is, is the same sort of thing. It, it's just ripped from that from that playbook. Yeah. Uh, sort of uh, country went west to Hollywood and then Hollywood went back east to Nashville mm. uh, before it became before it became like the uh, the uh, CMT big business it is now when it was the Grand Ole Opry, like the early days of the Grand Ole Opry like this is what they were kind of shooting for with that you know the big band and the sparkly rhinestone suits and the timpani and the um, but I just love the way it comes in and out too uh, because at the end of this one the timpani rolls and everything just drops out as fast as it came in and it's just Bruce whistling on an acoustic guitar it it's super cool, man. I I really, yeah. I really, it's almost a daydream, you know. Yeah, he's doing it by himself, and then like the ghosts of the greats that built the country uh, join him, and then you know, uh, mm-hmm. God, what's that Disney movie, Tall Tale? Oh yeah, uh, kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep cut. Oh man, I think about that movie every day. <laughs> every time I accidentally spit in front of a woman or a child, I'm like, oh no. <laughs> Well, should we talk lyrics? Yeah, we should talk lyrics. Because I, I feel like we're going to unlock a lot of stuff as we talk about these Yeah, lyrics. you think the music's good. Yeah, man. I mean, this is... Uh, yeah, it, it's, just, it's just a really good song. So, it's a damn near perfect song. Um, we'll just, we can just say it now. Yeah. All right, so here's the first verse. It says, There's a cross up yonder on, on Calvary Hill. There's a slip of blood on a silver knife. Which, by the way, um, that's a the cross up yonder on Calvary Hill. That's a very obvious biblical reference. Um, the for the for the non uh, for for people who who may not spend as much time thinking about this kind of thing as, as you and I do. Yeah. Uh, Cal- Calvary Hill is the place where um, Jesus is crucified. Um, so that's a, obviously that's a very specific reference to the to the death of Christ. So yeah, it's like an execution uh, gathering place in yeah. Rome. Yeah. So well, not in Rome, in Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem. Sorry, in, um, within the Roman in, the the Roman Empire. Right. So it says, uh, yeah. There's a cross up yonder on Calvary Hill. There's a slip of blood on a silver knife. There's a graveyard. Is that a, is that a Caesar? Uh, yeah, that might be. It might. Yeah, the. That could be like an assassination of Caesar kind of thing, or just like I mean, I, at the very least, it just in general it sort of implies betrayal, um, violence. Yeah, yeah. So then it says, "There's a graveyard kid down below where at night the dead come to life." So all, all those are images of death, of despair, yeah. of the end of something. And so then you have, "Well above," okay. So yeah, "Well above the stars they crackle in fire. A dead man's moon throws seven rings." Well, we'd put our ears to the cold gravestones. This is the song they'd sing. So he acknowledges there is death in this place, and then, but he said basically, like the dead are still trying to speak to us in a certain kind of way. And then there's this juxtaposed paradoxical thing that happens in the chorus, which is we are alive, and though our bodies lie alone here in the dark, our spirits rise to catch the carry the fire and light the spark to stand shoulder to shoulder and heart to heart. So, in other words, 
he's he's again and i know how you feel about juxtaposition jb oh yeah um i know you live Mm. for it so he's he's juxtaposing death and life and he's saying like there there are those who came before us who whose whose lives and contribution to the world mattered so deeply that if we really pay attention we'll see that they are still in spirit they are still with us in a certain way they are still guiding us on this journey you know from from beyond the grave and so what they continue to insist, in spite of the fact that they're dead, that somehow in a spiritual, like, ethereal kind of sense, they are, I mean, quite, quite specifically, they're insisting that we are alive. And, like, our death has not killed us in this weird, again, paradoxical sort of way, right? Yeah. And, and that now we continue to carry that legacy forward, and we are, we are with them and they are with us in whatever, like, good work that we're trying to put into the world. It's an Obi-Wan Kenobi situation. Oh yeah, that's a good. That, that's strike, a really good. Strike me down, and I will become stronger than you can ever imagine. Yeah, um, and then the the next verse says, "A voice cried, I was killed in Maryland in 1877 when the railroad workers made their stand." So, then um, that I, I don't know spe- like what the specific reference there is, but obviously there's a. I, he obviously he's making some sort of specific reference because the next line is a, a reference that I do understand. So. Um, do you know the Maryland 1877 railroad worker? Let me let me look it up real quick. Okay, so we got the see so we got the Great uh, Railroad Strike of 1987. Uh, 1877, uh, sometimes referred to as the Great Upheaval, began on July 14th in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Okay. Um, let me pull this up real quick. I got a I got a pretty long article, but I, I, I can just skim it real quick. So. Uh, after the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad, BNO, as it's commonly known, cut wages for the third time in a year, uh, the strike lasted for about 45 days. It was put down by local and state militias as well as federal troops. So, And then workers in numerous other cities, New York, Philadelphia, Maryland, into Illinois and Missouri also went on strike. An estimated 100 people were killed in the unrest across the country. In Martinsburg, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and in other cities, workers burned down and destroyed both physical facilities and rolling stock of the railroads, engines, and railroad cars. So, so basically, you have people who are fighting for better wages, and there's violence, and people people die in the name of pretty much, like you know, like people are, you know, it's it it, it is very dangerous to you know to fight the system, especially you know in. In, in times like that where maybe the laws aren't always on your side. So it sounds like that's that's sort of the situation is these railroad workers went on strike and and there was violence and some of them did not make it out alive. Yeah, it looks like there's a good bit of violence in Maryland. Uh, President Hayes sent federal troops into Baltimore. We'll see being our president, John Work Garrett requested the Maryland National Guard. Uh, at the time, they were known as the famous 5th, Dandy 5th and 6th Regiments. Um, so yeah, there was a... Uh, a lot of violence there. Okay. And then um, this this next one I do get, where it says, well, I was killed in 1963 one Sunday morning in Birmingham, which is a reference to, horribly, the um, the, the bombing of the church in Birmingham where the four girls were were, mm-hmm. were killed by the bomb. And so, um, which, by the way, I don't know if you've seen the movie Selma, the Ava DuVernay film, um, but the opening scene is that event. And it's hair. I mean, it's just... It's very upsetting, and as it should be, obviously. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. There was a the, so, the, the KKK bombs a church uh, on a Sunday morning in 1963. I um, a predominantly the, six, black the 16th Street Baptist Church. Yes, that's it in Birmingham. And yeah. um, and four um, young girl, like children, were killed. And um, and so yes. that's that's what that's a reference to. The next line says, "Well, I died last year crossing the Southern Desert." 
Uh, my children left behind in San Pablo. Well, they've left our bodies here to rot. Oh, please let them know we are alive. So 1877, 1963, and this is, I died last year, which that's, um, th- that's a reference to people, I assume, trying to cross, like trying, trying to make it into the U.S., right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so he, he connects the railroad strike to the Birmingham, to the 16th Street Baptist Church, to people who are trying to immigrate into the U.S. right now, which is funny. Like, um, this is 2012. Like, this is, this is before Trump. This is before kids in cages. Like, this is, this is before things got worse. You know what I mean? And so, like, we're like, yeah, al- already we're Bruce's... similar stuff happened in similar places. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important that we say the four girls who were killed in the bombing uh, were three or 14. One was 11. Their names were uh, Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, Carol Robertson, and Carol Denise McNair. Mm, thank you for that. Thank you for yeah. for bringing their names into it. Um, so because I think that's like Bruce is basically saying like each of each, each of the people who fell in this way were, were trying were, were a part of something, whether or not they were. I mean, like an 11 year old girl isn't necessarily participating in the resistance in a conscious way necessarily but right. like they were in the crosshairs like they were like there were people who were fighting for equality and there were other people who really did not like that and these girls ended up as tragic casualties of that struggle and so and so Bruce is connecting all those different stories and he's basically saying like we don't have to let these deaths be in vain like we we can remember what these deaths teach us and we we, we can we, and we can remember how important it is to fight for more people who who are alive and who who are continuing to struggle you know and so he's connecting all these stories to where we are right now, which is beautiful and profound, and I really love it. And so yeah. then, and, and just the notion of they left our bodies here to rot. Oh, please let them know we are alive. Oh, and though we lie alone here in the dark, our souls will rise to carry the fire that light and light the spark to fight shoulder to shoulder and heart to heart. And then the bridge is let your mind rest easy, sleep well, my friend. It's only our bodies that betray us in the end, which is a very spiritual notion, right? Like this is the idea yeah. of. Um, yeah, everybody at some point gives out, but the thing that you can't kill is the spirit, is the soul, is, is the engine that, um, that continues to fuel this passion, you know? Yeah. And then finally it says, I awoke last night in the dark and dreamy deep from my head to my feet, my body gone stone cold. There were worms crawling all around me my fingers scratching at an earth black and six foot low. So he's, um, so he's, he's dreaming that he's buried alive in a coffin and it says, and alone in the blackness of my grave, alone I'd been left to die. Then I heard voices calling all around me. The earth rose above me. My eyes filled with sky. We are alive. So now, so again, the juxtaposition here is like we are trying to listen to the dead. But then the third verse is, oh, also, by the way, we aren't dead yet. And some people are acting as though we are, but we're not. If, if you are alive, then get up. Like, like you're, like, yeah. be a part of this with us. You know, it's, it's yeah. this beautiful invitation you know to to participate in the healing of the world this reminds me of a jason isbel song uh lyric that i'm looking up just to make sure i get right Mm -hmm. there's a line in his song uh white man's world yeah the chorus says there's no such thing as someone else's war your creature comforts aren't the only thing worth fighting for you're still breathing it's not too late we're all carrying one big burden and sharing one big fate Mm mm-hmm uh, and that song is like way less hopeful than this one in tone. Yes, <laughs> but they they say the same thing, uh, and that like and that like it's not too late, and that we have to be inspired by the souls of those who have gone on before us, uh, so that they don't die in vain. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah. I mean it's about the relentless endurance of the human spirit, 
right? Like this is just the notion, exactly what you just said. Like we 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 can choose to honor those who died for something that was bigger than themselves by continuing to to fight in their stead. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, in fact, Bruce uh, in an interview with John Stewart, um, Bruce, Bruce said. Uh, and this is a qu- I'm quoting here. He says, I needed one more song. I needed a strange kind of party. And We Are Alive provides that. It's a party filled with ghosts whose voices and spirit and ideas remain with us and go on and on. That's why I talk about the girls in Birmingham, the workers in Maryland, and the new immigrants crossing the southern border. It's just the recurrence of how the blood and spirit of all those people regenerate the country and what America is generation after generation. So it's like he, he's saying, I need I need to remind people that this is... And he calls it a party. He says, "Like I, we're, yeah. we're we're all invited to join in with with what this is. This this party it's a party of, full of ghosts. Yeah, it's a, which by the way was a major theme of that tour. Like if you if you go back and listen to stuff like the the audio from the, the that tour, it's the well first of all it's the first E Street Band tour without Clarence Clemens after he's died. And there's a part of the show where Bruce talks about ghosts and the absence of people who have always been with us up until now." And like it, it, there's and again, if you if you go back, I think it's in the middle of um, w- when they do My City of Ruin, which was a staple on that tour. And he he says, are we missing anybody tonight? And then people will cheer out or something like that. And then he says he'll say it again, but it's a little heavier. He'll say, like, are we missing anyone tonight? And now everybody knows, like, oh, right. We're like, w- like th- there's there's a felt absence on the stage. Danny and, and Clarence are not here. And so he makes he 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 uses that like the pain and the loss of that. To, and this is why Bruce is, an, is, is a genius. Uh, so he takes the pain of like what you see on the stage. Like the, the E Street Band is not what it once was, and that's because of like the like the mortality of all of us, right? And it, and it caught yeah. caught up to Clarence and Danny before the rest of us. And so, and so he takes that and he brings it in, and he says, "Yeah." And I forget exactly how he words it, but basically he he frames it as maybe we're all missing somebody, you know? Maybe and then. And and so he talks about ghosts, like the, the like the idea of we're haunted by the people, not haunted in a bad way, but we're reminded we are we are followed by the spirits of those who are no longer with us. And then he says, if you're here and we're here, they're here, and that's that's what he would say on the stage during during this tour, but in in the middle of a different song. And so that tells you, like, even though it wasn't during this song, that the spirit of this song was kind of the engine that drove that tour, you know. Yeah. And and that like the thing that he was trying to say with that was there is a fight, there has always been a fight, and we can either choose to be in it or we can choose to sit it out. But we are alive. And so why not why not make a difference while we are? Because those those who went before us, that's what they did. And we owe it to them to try. God, it is so hopeful and so beautiful. Yeah, it is. And I, that's why the trumpets are so useful here, right? Cuz like the, the trumpets give sort of a um a triumphant kind of feel to it, you know. Yeah, which yeah, I, I can't imagine the song as a Ramones type song having nearly the amount of power that this has. Right, you know? not me either. I don't. Know. I'm, I mean, I'm sure Bruce could have made it work, but I, I really, really love the mixture of the the sound and the message of the song. I, th- I think they pair together so well. Hmm. Um. Uh, I love it, man. I love it. I do too. It, it's it's beautiful. It's it it's near the end of the album, and it, I, I think it's a really nice way. For, for Bruce to sort of punctuate what he's been trying to say with this album, you know? Yeah. In fact, is it, I, I know uh, Swallowed Up is the bonus track. Is this the last track that isn't the bonus track? And Swallowed Up was a bonus track, so this comes before that. 
Okay, those two. So, so yeah, th- I mean, technically, th- that's I have a hard time with it since they all sort of come together as one package. But technically, this is the final song on the album proper. Yes. Um, so before you start getting the bonus tracks and um, everything else. So yeah, I, I think if if you start, so again, if you track the the arc of the entire album, like we've done with a couple others, the opening song of this album is "We Take Care of Our Own," which we're going to get to in a week, and this is the closing track. And the the theme here is that participation is not for the well. For, first of all, per, participation is our is our sacred duty, but also participation is not for the weak of heart. You know, like um, this is this is important, heavy, sacred work that we are all invited to do. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um and that like if you look at the opening song and the closing song of any album that Bruce does, you you're going to figure out what he was trying to say, I think. And uh this I think this is a really good example of that. Yeah. So it's, uh incredible. So when you first got this album, was this one of the songs that clicked with you right away or did this take a little while? Uh no, this 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 was absolutely clicked with me right away. Just musically, like the cinematic nature of it, yeah, just drew me in. And then, um, you know, the more time I spent with it, the more the lyrics uh, really begin to mean something. So. Yeah, yeah. This one, because it sounds so different than the other songs on this album, it took me a little while to realize how important it was. You know, because yeah. it, it feels very small. If you're because it's there's a lot of acoustic. There's no like the band work is just very different than it is anywhere else, um, and. And it took me a little while to realize, like, oh, this song is this song is a gut punch. This song matters a lot, you know. And, yeah. Um, like a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I, I really like it. How many um, whispering gravestones did you give this song? I give this five whispering gravestones. Ooh, that's good. I am a four and a half. Um, ah, that's good. That's fun. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I I was listening to it in the car earlier today, and I I really wanted to go up to five, but I'm not totally sure I'm I'm at five. But I I'm so close to five. I just it's it's just it's one of those like I really I really like it, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's a, a Hall of Fame song for me. Yeah, um, but I really do like it. So um, yeah, man, that's we are alive. That was a that was a productive one. Very good. I think we stayed on. I think we stayed focused the entire time. We sure did. That's wild. I can't imagine. So mm. um, all right. Well, thanks for thanks for talking about this one with me, JB. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for talking about it with me. The pleasure was all mine. No, I've been waiting for somebody to talk about this specific song with me for 45 minutes for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> for like seven or so years. Yeah, like something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, uh, let's... I guess we're done. So uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. We'll be talking about the song "We Shall Overcome." So thematically, right. we're not we're not really leaving the neighborhood. Thematically speaking, so we'll we'll see y'all soon with "We Shall Overcome." Yeah.